Are you ready to live the all-in life? Then welcome to the All-In Podcast Show, sharing the defining moments of impact-driven entrepreneurs, industry pioneers, and transformative leaders as they showcase their defining moments and went all-in on their business and found true success. From the early steps in their journey to the moment they truly took their commitment to their life and business to another level, we'll give you the insight you need to go all-in on your dream life. Now here's your host, Daniel Giordano. Hey, welcome to the All In Podcast Show. Today, I'm excited to introduce you to Maria Brito. Welcome to the show. Hi, Daniel. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here with you today. I'm, I'm excited to hear your story and share it with the world. So um, I always like to, you know, just kind of hear a little bit about your backstory. Like, where did you grow up and what was life like? I grew up in Caracas, Venezuela, and that life was very different from the life that I have nowadays. I have been living in the United States for about 22, 23 years now, and so I've been here most of my adult life, and I went to Harvard Law School. That's why I moved to the States, and I practiced as a corporate attorney for many years, almost nine, and I hated it with all my might because that was not for me. That was not a career that I chose out of my heart. That was a career that I chose following a path of certainty and selling out really on my dreams and following my parents' brainwashing and uh, desire to see me succeed in an area they thought it was going to be the right thing. I mean, I could have chosen something else like being a doctor or being a, an engineer and whatnot, but n nothing that was fun and that really had a direct relationship with the things that I wanted to do. I was a very, very artistic child and I was a performer, a singer. I was always organizing things around music and that was an absolute no for my parents. So it, um, it took all that time me in law school and then practicing for me to realize that really I hated it with all my might. And when I had my first child, he's now 13, uh, I decided that I was going to live my life and I was going to quit that horrific job and I was going to open an art advisory company. And art advisors, what we do is we build our collections for people, but I'm also a curator. So I curate exhibitions of contemporary art and I am also a writer and a consultant. I consult on the topics of creativity and innovation. And um, it's been the most fulfilling and happiest 13 years of my life when I took that, you know, 180 degree turn and I literally went all in with what I'm doing. And uh, I have a, a book coming up called How Creativity Rules the World. It's uh, HarperCollins bought it at auction. And it, um, it's a part is a guide and a blueprint on how people can materialize their ideas, how to come up with better ideas, how to implement them, how to pivot in any circumstance, no matter the job you have, no matter how old you are. And I really wrote it because I wanted to put out there my own experience, but I also wanted to contextualize that around history, psychology, business, neuroscience. I wanted to definitely support a lot of my own claims with sufficient evidence that other people have done it throughout history. And I think that I, 
I'm very ambitious about this book because I want it, I want it to become the definitive guide for creativity when people are not sure what to do or they are feeling stuck or people are already creative and they just want to get to the next level with how they incorporate the things that they think about because we think about things all the time, all day long, and we don't necessarily take action on those ideas because we ourselves are very self-censors, right? Like, I mean, we're always censoring ourselves and we're always sort of like playing this game of like, eh, nobody will care or what do I'm going to waste my time or, you know, and so right now that we have been through the most difficult two years of our lives and that a lot of people are questioning themselves what have, you know, the time that they've spent doing things in the past that they don't enjoy or trying to figure out what to do next because now they find that they have a desire for other things. I think this book comes at the right time. That's good. Well, we have lots of different ways we could take this because there's a lot you just shared there around, <laughs> you know, one, obviously Harvard is no small feat, right? Mm -hmm. um, but also realizing that you were living, you know, the dreams of your parents, right? And what they're, you know, you, you use the word brainwashing, right? Of how, you know, our, you know, uh, older generations are, you know, they're, they're trained to believe that, you know, go get a good job, get a, or get a good education, get so you can get a good job and you'll be successful. And that's their mindset. But I, I think it's fascinating for you that realize that like after putting in all that work and spending years being unfulfilled, doing something you didn't love, right? Ultimately uncovering the thing that you are actually you know, call it called to, right? That, you know, the thing that you just felt that this is my way of impact in the world, helping people like this. So, um, so what do you think, like, when you, when you work with people, when you talk to people um, and, you know, people that have been through the same, same type of path, right? What do you think holds people back from actually doing it? Well, I think that a few factors, right? One is that you do get comfortable doing what you do. And even if you hate it, you have a certain routine that, somewhat works for you and there is familiarity our brains are wired to protect us from the unfamiliar and if there is something that is um you know unknown uncertain we mm -hmm. protect ourselves from that so that's one reason and it's a biological one because that's the way that the brain has been wired and the other reasons are well people also get afraid that they are not going to make the same amount of money when they jump into a new venture and the truth is that's right at the beginning you're not going to make the same money but in the long term you're going to make more because you are going to be doing what you love and you're going to figure out ways to keep growing and you're going to get better and better at what you do. And I think that there's, I mean, I don't know any business that starts from the get go, like super profitable and like skyrocketing. I think that you will gain a lot of new experiences and you will have to adjust along the way. But I think also that the path of entrepreneurship you know, I've been also researching a lot who is and who is not an entrepreneurship. And the truth is that scientists and psychologists have not gotten sufficient data because it's very inconclusive that some people are wired for entrepreneurship and some people are not. The truth is all of us have the same tools and the same capabilities as 
anybody who is an entrepreneur who has that appetite for risk taking. It's all about cultivating those habits, skill sets, and desires and attitudes, right? So we already know that there are no two entrepreneurs who are alike. And the thing is, I believe it, it all starts with the conviction that you can do something. And for me, it was the fear of ever having to go back to a law firm or a job in corp a big job in like a corporate America type of thing with bureaucracy and a thousand people to respond to and whatnot. I think that I was so afraid of that that I set myself this goal of like, there's no way I can fail, right? I mean, there's no way in the world that I'm ever going back to that. So I think that the fear of that was such a push that I couldn't even think that there was an option B, which was failing and having to do something else and go back to an office with a boss and a desk. And, you know, so I, I also think people sometimes think they are too old and, you know, that's not simply not true. I think that there are plenty of examples out there ranging from fashion designers who started big lines when they were in their 40s to artists, people who transitioned, you know, Grant Mimosas, the, the great American artist started really painting professionally when she was like 75. So I think that it's important for people to understand that nothing is written in stone and there are no rights or wrongs when you want to make a transition. But you do have to believe that you have that um, you know, that skill set within you and that you're going to be able to succeed with a lot of challenges along the way. It's not going to be a smooth, right? Nothing is easy, but it takes persistent consistency and a lot of creativity and a lot of flexibility. Right. Okay. So as you've made this transition now over the years, it's been a little while, but what, have there been any, uh, you know, what would you say were some of the more challenging times for you? I think that obviously the, the very beginning is very challenging because you don't have credibility, you don't have clients, people do not understand what happened to you and why you quit a job that you were successful at and that it, it was it paid well and it has a certain level of prestige attached to it and things like that. So I think that the very beginning is the most challenging part because for me, it was both learning how to run a business while at the same time understanding a completely different industry where I was not a part of. And so it's not that I quit being an attorney to open an, a, a law firm. You know what I mean? It's like I literally went the opposite. And mm -hmm. I, I think that also there is a seed of opportunity within that, which is you cannot really disrupt an industry if you are from within because you already know too much and you have already accepted preconceived notions of what and why and how, right? And so me being a complete outsider, I was not bound by those preconceptions and notions and, and this is done this way and rules and whatnot, right? So I did things in the way I wanted to do them. And I did not take anything as a an incontrovertible rule, right? I mean, everything was mine for the taking. And as long as I wasn't doing anything illegal, I thought, well, I'm going to go with this, right? And so I also believe that's a very important point for people to consider if they are thinking about starting a venture in a completely unrelated field. There are 
hundreds and hundreds of opportunities just because your mind will accept everything differently and see things new and fresh and not fall in the traps of someone who's already an expert. Okay. Now, the, the thought that came to me was, obviously, you pursued the law career because of your parents' beliefs, right, in what you uncovered there growing up. When you made the transition, what was the perception of your family? I think that, well, I mean, you know, for my parents, it was a shock, right? Because it was like, well, you know, spend so much time and money getting this and now you're in such a good position and your job is so stable and solid and you just had a baby. Are you crazy? And so I think that I just didn't care at that point. See, like I knew I had to live my life for me. And this was a big step, right? And I had discussed it with my husband and he thought it was very risky. And he was like, how are you going to do this? I'm not sure. You know, I said, don't worry. I have set, uh, you know, set aside some money for this and I'm just going to do it. You know, watch me, you know? And so as I'm telling you, it was just more like I had to use the power of the mind is something that, as you know, is unlimited, right? And whether you believe that you can do it or not, you're always right. And so for the perception of my parents was obviously like I was crazy, right? And I think my dad's still not sure what I do or anything, you know? I mean, he still says my my daughter, the attorney. And I, that's okay. I mean, if that makes him happy, I right. it's not that because I am not practicing anymore, I lost everything I did. I mean, I'm still a turn. I don't keep my licenses alive or anything because I don't need to do that. But right. it doesn't obliterate that, you know, all the experience I had is just that I'm not a practicing attorney and I'll never be again. So, right. I, you know, I mean, I, I think that just have to live for yourself. Right. Okay. Love it. So the person listening to this, uh, that may be in this transition piece of realizing that, like, I always ask people, like, why do you do what you do? Because I think a lot of times people don't ask that question. Right. And, you know, I had that moment 20 something years ago when I asked myself, why do I do this for a living? You know, what could I do differently? Well, I think that you have to understand what are the things that light you up, what gets you going, what actually makes you feel excited. And there are opportunities and possibilities that people sometimes are not even aware of because, again, they have been conditioned to think certain ways or they have been in the same job for too long and their routine has already made their lives almost like automatic, right? But I think that in a country as big as ours and in a where there are so many people who are willing to consume things, right? Whether it's services or products or improvements and whatnot. I think that there is room for many, many, many things to build anew right now that will also fulfill an intrinsic passion that you have, right? Whether that is cooking or, I don't know, watching movies or playing video games. There is always a way to capitalize on those things, or even if not 100% possible, then there are adjacencies, right? I mean, there are places that you can explore that aren't necessarily what makes your heart sing because you probably are, you know, 50 and you can't not just become a singer, right? I mean, that was what I wanted to do. And I ended up now working with art and artists and high profile clients who 
many of them are in the music industry. I'm not the one who is on the stages, but I enjoy this incredible exchange of different thoughts, different cultures, different backgrounds, different races that I did not have when I was an attorney and that was not fulfilling. And the other aspect of it is you want to be of service. And that's one of the most important things in the world for anybody who is looking to leave behind things that are not satisfactory anymore. You've, you always want to think about how you're going to be of service. And this is not to go to the story of like, oh, Mother Teresa, or like, you don't have to be, you know, in, in that kind of like, world of you know charity and not for profit i mean being of service is actually helping people do things you might inspire people by posting colorful pictures on instagram and that's it you know i mean the the mission that each one of us has doesn't have to be curing cancer i i want people to cure cancer but what i'm saying is each one of us has a, a very specific set of talents that actually get to shine if you are in touch with your creativity and you know how to develop it. And I think that uh, anybody can do it. If I did it, I'm an immigrant, I'm a Latina, you know, but people are going to say, but you went to Harvard. Yes, but I, you know, it was not free. I mean, like I had to get loans. It was not just like nobody handed me anything, right? I mean, my, my parents still live in Venezuela. It was all worked from the ground up. And I think that if I could have made this transition and embraced by the art world, by celebrity clients and whatnot, I think people can do anything they want. I, I honestly wholeheartedly believe that's possible. That's a beautiful thing, right? When you recognize that and you can share that gift with people. So it's exciting to see what you're doing. Um, well, as we uh, start to close out here, how do people find out more about you? Well, come to mariabrito.com. That's Maria. And my last name is spelled B as in boy, R as in Rose, I as in Island, T as in Tom, O.com. And you can get my book anywhere where books are sold nationwide. And it's called How Creativity Rules the World and uh, is published by HarperCollins. And I'm excited to you know, visit my website so you'll find bonuses that I'm releasing for people who get the book and things like that. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you being here, Maria, and I appreciate your time sharing uh, your story and inspiring others to go out and, you know, unleash their creativity. And uh, thank you for taking the time to be here today. Thank you. I appreciate you, Daniel, and I appreciate your listeners too. Thank you for listening. We want to thank you for being all in with us on today's episode of the All In Podcast Show. For more information and resources based on today's discussion, as well as ways to connect to our guests, head to allinpodcast.com. That's available exclusively on allinpodcast.com.